uh, recently, a few months ago of this year, uh, there was an article printed in the Washington Times by Jonathan Petre. And um, there was a, or there is, an Air Force pilot for the Israeli army who was chosen to be, who was chosen to be an astronaut. And so he took his whole family and, and himself and he moved to Houston to prepare to be an astronaut. His name is Colonel Ilan Rimon. And uh, subsequently what happened was is that his flight in the space shuttle was postponed numerous amounts of times. But when he was uh, thinking that he would actually travel into space, um, he rose the question with his rabbi in, uh, in uh, I guess, in, uh, I think he moved to Fort Lauderdale or Houston, I'm not sure. He raised the question with his rabbi of what he should do on Shabbos and as far as kosher food is concerned. Now, Colonel Ramon is himself not a, by his own, by his own uh, testimony, is not a religious Jew. He is a uh, secular Israeli who was born in, in Tel Aviv. Uh, and he expressed the fact that he feels that since he is the first Israeli to go into space, that he represents all of Jewry, world Jewry, and therefore he should conduct himself in a proper manner. And what he sees fit to be the proper manner is that he should observe the Shabbos and kosher food. So the uh, kosher food is not a problem. There's a company in, uh, in Illinois who, uh, who produces kosher food that is, that is uh, acceptable for uh, space shuttle flight. The issue became Shabbos. The issue became Shabbos and the question was is that since he would orbit the Earth every hour and a half, every um, every 90 minutes and therefore he would see the sunrise and sunset every hour and a half what would be constituted as his day um, there's also another article more recently that appeared in the Jewish News of Greater Phoenix in the Israel section page 46 about Colonel Rimon and there they say they report that now his flight has been rescheduled for uh, January 16th in, uh, in two weeks he has made a statement, according to this article, that he, uh, it will be too difficult for him to keep Shabbos, but the kosher food he will for sure eat. Now, we hope that uh, Colonel Ramon's sentiments, that he uh, should, should lead him to uh, a more observant life, and that he should uh, recognize uh, where his feelings came from. This, this lecture, however, will discuss our would-be Jewish traveler who does want to keep halacha, and some aspects of the issues that are involved. Um, the lecture is, is uh, largely based upon an article that is going to be printed in a magazine called, that is published by the, uh, the uh, Rabbinical Council of America called Tradition, by Rabbi J. David Bleich, who is a professor in Cardozo Law, uh, Cardozo Law School in uh, New York. And uh, he was kind enough to send me an advanced copy of his article and discuss the issues of which he presented in the article with me. And I will try at least part of the, uh, part of the, part of the lecture to present what he says. But uh, before every good lecture, we have to start with a joke. <laughs> so there was once a, uh, a minister, a priest, and a Jewish fellow who, uh, who were afforded the privilege of traveling the space shuttle, to go into space. So they went up to space in the orbit of the Earth, and uh, they came back down. 
and they held a press conference. The first person to speak was the priest. And the priest said, ah, oh, this is unbelievable. Everything that I've preached in my lifetime, now I see it in a proper perspective. How vast is the universe, how great is God? And then the, um, the minister turns to speak. And he says, every 90 minutes I saw the sunrise and the sunset. This is completely unbelievable. This is miraculous. A miracle every hour and a half. And then they turn to the Jew and he looks disheveled and completely out of breath and out of shape. And they say to him, so how is the space trip? And he's breathing very hard. He says, Shachas, Mincha, Meyer, Shachas, Mincha, Meyer. Morning services, afternoon service, and evening service, morning service, afternoon service, and evening service. Right. So, uh, as we will find out in the lecture, the, the joke is really not so true. But it's funny because it uh, portrays the character of a Jew. So to begin with, we have our, our, on our handout, on uh, page 1A, there's an outline. And on page 1A, the three categories which I saw that is befitting to split this, uh, this issue into are, number one, orbiting planet Earth in the space shuttle. Orbiting, which I, I mean that one circles the, the, uh, the planet. Number two is outer reaches of space. And number three, landing on the moon. So outer reaches of space means being out of the orbit of the Earth. And number three, actually landing on the moon. And the halachas, and probably for, perhaps some questions which are involved uh, in being on the moon. So we'll begin with, uh, we'll begin with section one. Orbiting planet Earth in the space shuttle. So before we get to the actual issue, <coughs> right, we need some background to see if we can find a source, source material to, um, to be able to present some sort of conclusion on this issue. As, uh, as we know that the rabbis of the Talmud did not have access to, uh, to outer space, to the outer <coughs> space shuttle, so therefore they did, not, they did not discuss the issue directly. Yes? Uh, it depends on how you define time, which we'll perhaps we will discuss. But uh, the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, they they were they were uh, according to the Talmud's testimony, they were uh, they were experts in uh, celestial in in, in 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 the celestial realm, and they were able to tell the time based upon that. But uh, depends on what is the halakh definition of time, and what it, what is necessary in order to keep in order to keep God's commandments. And is, as far as that went, they were able to, uh, to, to determine what time it was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. So we, we're going to discuss it. Fine. So the first, the first issue is the first, the first issue is, is the Gemarin shop, and that's one uh, A, and that in uh, appears. A copy of the Gemara Shabbos appears on page one. The first five pages are one, one A through one E. Uh, page one actually has the copies of the of, of some of the sources. And on page one, box A is the Gemara Shabbos. The Gemara Shabbos says as follows. And Rabbi Yossi said, "Yehei chelki malachnisi Shabbos v'tveri moti Shabbos v'tipori." May my portion be among those who begin Shabbos in Tiberias and who end the Sabbath. In Tipoli. That is the brief statement of the Gemara. Ramosha Feinstein, 
in his uh, responsa concludes based upon the uh, the people that they, they explain this statement in the Talmud concludes as follows firstly Tiberia or uh, Tiberius was located in a valley in relationship to Tipori Tipori is on a, in, is in a mountainous range and and uh, Tiberia is in, in a valley therefore it is it stays dark it stays light in Tipori for longer because since one is on a higher altitude being in a mountainous range therefore the curvature of the earth is more visible in that particular area and therefore it stays light for a longer period of time however in Tiberia which is in a valley and it's also obstructed by the mountainous area of Tipori right it gets darker much 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 um, much earlier that's the that's the situation that we're that we're dealing with and that's the situation which the Talmud is commenting upon Ramosha Feinstein was asked a question about uh, from a fellow who lived in upstate New York. Uh, the respondent does not say exactly where he lived. Let's say I don't know where he lived in the Catskills or wherever. I, I'm not sure, but he lived in a place that was that had a similar situation where there was an uh, he was obstructed. He lived in a valley and uh, his area was obstructed by a mountain. And by him sunset, by this fellow sunset was 20 minutes earlier than it was somewhere else. And the question that was posed to Ramosha is when should he keep Shabbos? Should he keep Shabbos when it gets dark by him? Or should he keep Shabbos when it gets dark by the mountain? Or perhaps maybe there's another alternative. Ramosha answered him with this particular with this passage in the Talmud. And he said as follows, and I'm going to read, I'm going to read what I wrote, which is a uh, um, the conclusion of a very lengthy, very lengthy and complicated response. Ramosha Feinstein concludes that as far as the setting of the sun is concerned, that depends on the general topography of a particular area. As Ramosha says, that when do we consider sun sunset? As far as halacha is concerned, that, is, that, that um, is the end of the day. When is sunset? Sunset depends on ground level. In other words, it depends on the general topography that you find yourself in, right? Whatever, whatever the topography is of the particular locale, that defines sunset. So if you happen to find yourself in a valley or on a, on a high mountain, that doesn't matter. What matters is, when does the sunset in that general area that you're in? Okay, I'm continuing to read now. Therefore, in Tiberias, even though it became darker earlier, they were stringent upon themselves. In Tiberia, right, even though they lived in a valley, and really it became darker much earlier than the ground level that they, were, that they lived in, right? But still they were stringent upon themselves, and started the, the, the Shabbos, started the, the, the Shabbat, right? They started it when it became dark. That's what they did. Because they didn't want to make a mistake, right? Once it becomes dark, it's hard to distinguish when it's really dark and when it's not really dark. So therefore, they were stringent upon themselves. I'm continuing to read now. Rav Yossi added that even in Tipori, it is beneficial to follow, to, to follow Tiberius so that the people of Tiberius do not err. Rav Yossi added, that even if I don't live in Tiberia, where it becomes darker earlier, and I live in Tipoli, where it is still light, when it gets dark in Tiberia, Rabbi Yossi added that I should, I should keep Shabbos also at the same time that it is in Tiberia, in order that the people of Tiberia should not make a mistake and think that Shabbos, is, uh, by the way, feel free please to ask any questions if, I, if I'm not being clear, right? And so, uh, th so that the people of Tiberi should not make a mistake and think that it's still not Shabbos 
because of the people of Tzipor. That's that's basically that's basically at least as far as as far as um, the starting of the Shabbos from sunset is concerned. That's that's what the Gemara says. The general principle again, I just want to reiterate, is is that the sunset and the sunrise depends on the general ground level of the area that you find yourself in. So okay. Better furthermore, so it's better to start the Shabbos earlier than have a question about it. Right. Right. It's better to start Shabbos earlier, but really you're starting Shabbos earlier. It's not really Shabbos. Because Shabbos is a little later. Because it, it, it depends, right? Okay. If, if somebody was standing in front of you, you couldn't see the sun. Right? I can't help it but to quote this. I'm sure everybody has seen the crystal kid. Right? And in the scene there, I mean, he's standing in front of the mountain and uh, he's looking to see if, if, if Shabbos is over. And the sun is sort of like halfway below the mountain and he looks like this and he looks like this and he looks like this and then the, the sun slowly disappears behind the mountain as he as he puts his head further down it's okay shabbos is over okay. i can travel right it doesn't matter what matters is is that when is shabbos over at the general ground level area that you're in okay now as far as when shabbos is over this is when shabbos begins sunset when is shabbos over so generally we know shabbos is over when there are three medium stars in the sky when one can see three medium stars in the sky, that's when Shabbos is over, right? So there's actually another way to tell, which is a, very, a, a, a fairly simple way. And that is, is that when it becomes completely dark on the horizon, right, complete darkness, then Shabbos is over, right? If you can, you can still see the three stars, even if you see a little bit of light, even though the sun has, has uh, gone past the horizon, right? And that, that is already considered to be darkness. That is already considered to be night. What we call the, the, uh, the when the stars come out. However, when the horizon is completely dark, when the horizon is completely dark, then we sure know we know it's nighttime, right? So the people of Tipoli, this is what happened to the people of Tipoli. Since they were on a mountain, since they were on a very high altitude, therefore they were able to, to see the curvature of the earth and it saved light much longer. So therefore they were able to see the three stars, right, before it actually became dark on the horizon. So in Tipori, what they did was, is that they waited until, in order to, in order to, uh, to, to say when Shabbos is over, they concluded the Shabbos when it became completely dark on the horizon. And the reason why, why they did this is because not everybody's an expert to tell exactly what are three medium stars. You can see the stars in the sky, but how do you know which are the three medium stars and be able to discern from that that, uh, that that's, this is what the, the definition of the Talmud of when the day is over, right? So therefore, in order that people should not get confused, they waited until it became completely dark, and that's when Shabbat was over for them. Rabbi Yossi added, Rabbi Yossi added, I didn't read this the second time, but it's fine, this is basically what it says. Rabbi Yossi added that it is beneficial even for the people of Tiveria, right, to conclude the Shabbos at the same time as the people of Tipori, so that the people of Tipori do not err in saying that Shabbos has already been finished because we see that the people in Tiveria have finished their shops, because by them it gets darker earlier, right? That's basically the general outlook of the Rav Moshe Feinstein's conclusion. And based upon this conclusion, he answered this fellow in New York. He told him that, really, you should be stringent. And when it gets dark, that's when you should start the shops, right? That's what you should do. And that's the proper way. However, as far as the fine letter of the law, the exact level of the law is concerned, Shabbos 
depends upon the general topography of the uh, of the area, the general ground level of the area. That is when the Shabbos begins, and the Shabbos ends when the three stars, three medium stars, come out. Fine. That is what Ramosha finds being concluded. Um, now we we are we are continuing our outline. We just did A and B of number one. Now we're doing C. Ramosha Feinstein, in a different responsa, was asked the following question. What happens if one is traveling in an airplane from, e, uh, from uh, west to east, right? So if one is traveling, we, we have all, uh, we have all uh, taken airplane rides in, a, in, a, in our lives, right? And we know what happens when you, one, one, uh, one travels from, um, from west to east. What happens is that the day becomes shorter. The, the, the sun, right, obviously sets for the person who is experiencing it in the airplane, the sun sets for him much earlier, right? So Moshe Feinstein was asked, what does one do in such a, in such a situation as far as halakhic requirements are concerned? For example, uh, davening, right, prayer, for the reciting of the Shema, or perhaps maybe there's a fast day. What does one do in such a situation? How do we define a day for the person who's traveling in the airplane? And especially a person who travels for if one wants to travel to, uh, I, I don't know, to, to Paris, I guess, or London, it's, it's at least, uh, what, what is it, it's six, hours from the, it's six hours from New York, right? So it must be nine hours from here. And to, to Israel, eight. It's, it's eight hours? Well, daylight same time versus uh, now, we're, we're like two hours from right. New York. Okay. Sometimes you're three hours. So it's eight or, eight or nine hours. So it takes a long, it's a, it's a long, and if one goes to Israel, it's even longer, and if one flies to Australia, then it's already a, 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 a whole different issue, right? But the day changes for the person who's flying in an airplane differently than to the people that are below, right? What does one do in such a situation? So Ramosha answered as follows. Ramosha said, based upon the principles that he, the, in, in the previous responsa, Ramosha said, again, the definition of day and night depends on the general topography of the area that one is in. And if one happens to be in a, in a dirigible, or in an airplane, or any, or any structure that is, that is man-made, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is the area that one is traversing at that particular moment in time. So if one is over Kansas, right, then once you take out his Palm Pilot, take a look, uh, put in the, the coordinates for Kansas, right, and whenever sunset is in Kansas, that for him now is sunset. So as one is traveling in an airplane, right, the day changes depending the area that he is over, right? Depending the area that he's over. And the area that he's over, that's the air, that defines for him night and day. That's what Ramosha is. And therefore Ramosha said, so once it becomes light, when one is flying an airplane, one should pray right away. Because, because right, the light is, not, it, it's, it's, probably, it's probably light beneath in there, right? And that's the time that the day, that is the time to, for prayer. And it's going to change very quickly because now he's going to be over a different area, right? Okay. Uh, I will give some more illustrations immediately following, but I want to first uh, come back to our to our uh, to our would be space travel in the space shuttle. So Rabbi J. David Bleich, in his article, wants to take this conclusion very far, and he wants to say as follows: If that applies to an airplane that is traveling at 35,000 feet, right, then it should make a difference for a space shuttle that's orbiting planet Earth. Makes absolutely no difference. Uh, and, and therefore, the day for our astronaut should be defined based upon the area that he is immediately over at that particular time. 
Now, to give an illustration of uh, uh, how far what Ramaji is like saying, how far that goes, um, we have to take a look on the uh, on page on, on our on our quote on our illustrations on page one. Uh, box B, okay, that that whole box box B. I uh, I drew a uh, a simple illustration of what 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 this means. So if we start with point number one on the on the right hand corner on the on the upper right hand corner, point number one is if we assume that the circumference of the Earth I at the equator. It's uh, the first couple of pages are. 1a through e and then it starts with page one again right in that page are the illustrations okay. and uh box b on the right hand corner is uh, is the illustration that i that i, uh, that I like to, uh, to post uh number one point number one premise number one the circumference of the earth at the equator is approximately twenty-four thousand miles right at the equator it's about this is the equator and about at the equator the circumference of the earth the whole full circle is about 24,000 miles. Now we know that there are 24 time zones, right? There are 24 time zones. If that means, right, that each time zone is one hour each, because we know that the time around the Earth is 24 hours, right? There are 24 hours. Each time zone is one hour, right? And therefore, also point number three. Each time zone is 1,000 miles, right? If there are 24,000 miles at the equator. So each time zone is approximately 1,000 miles. Fine. Point number four, assuming that the space shuttle orbits the Earth every hour and a half, right, which is 90 minutes, it will be traveling at 16,000 miles per hour, right? If the space shuttle has to traverse 24,000 miles in an hour and a half, that's 24,000 divided by one and a half, which is 16,000. So that means that the space will be traveling around the planet at 24 at 16,000 miles an hour right okay therefore 16 time zones will be traversed in one in an hour right if he's traveling 16,000 miles an hour he will each time zone which is an hour right will be traveled he will travel 16 time zones in one hour how much is it going to travel one time zone in? That's point number six. One time zone will be traversed every three and three quarters minutes, right? Which is 60 divided by 16, which gives us three and three quarters, right? That's basically, that's our would-be uh, space travel according to the article in the Washington Times. The, the speed that he's going to be traveling in is, a, is, a, is a, an hour and a half. He's, he's going to orbit the, uh, the, the Earth every hour and a half. Now, for the, for the continuation of the illustration, we're going to go to page two also of this handout. We're going to continue with page one and page two. Page two is a map of the time zones of the world. They are marked by letters, and in the box on the right-hand corner on the, on the right, each letter represents how much time it is away from, uh, from, uh, from, from London, which is zero, right? Greenwich Mean Time. Fine. So that, if we go to uh, page one again on the bottom, so let's assume, we'll take an example. Let's assume our would-be space traveler starts from Phoenix. And in Phoenix, it is now Friday, 6 p.m., right? That's uh, an entry on the first box on, in, on page one. It is 6 p.m. Now, Phoenix is 
on the map is T minus 7, meaning that it's the letter T and it's minus 7 hours from, the, uh, from, uh, G from GMT, from Greenwich Village, from London, from zero, right? So our time zone where we live in Phoenix is minus 7. That's what it is. Okay, so that means what time is it going to be in Japan? Now, I marked, it, I marked off the, uh, the locations on the map on page 2. Japan is found in time zone I. Everybody knows where, where Japan is, right? In time zone I. Time zone I is plus 9, right? So that means that the time difference between New York, uh, Phoenix and Japan is 16 hours, right? 16 hours. So if it's 6 p.m., please correct me if I, if I, if I, if I made any mistakes on, 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 on this paper. It's, it's possible. If it's in Japan, if, if in, in Phoenix it is 6 p.m., in Japan it's, it's 10 a.m., Shabbos, correct? Yes? It's 10 a.m. Shabbos. Now, I just took another two locations which will become obvious for, for, for the illustration. What time is it going to be in New Zealand? New Zealand is time zone M plus 12. The time it's going to be is going to be 1 p.m. Shabbos. What time is it going to be in Western Samoa? If uh, Western Samoa is uh, in time zone X, it's on the, uh, on the civil dateline. It is found, I, I marked it off on, on, on the map. It's all the way on the left-hand side of the map. It says Western Samoa by the letter X there, okay? Western Samoa is minus 11. So in Western Samoa, it, is, it would be 2 p.m. Friday, okay? That's, uh, th th this is the beginning of our trip. Now, 2 p.m. Friday, 2 p.m. Friday, because it's on the other side of the civil dateline, which I will explain in a minute, okay? So now, if our traveler, if our, if our astronaut, how long will it take him now, at the speed that he's going, to travel from Phoenix to Japan? It will take him one hour, because he's traveling 16 time zones, 16 hours, and he's going 16,000 miles an hour. He will be there in one hour, which is indicated by the little arrow that I drew below the box. From Phoenix to Japan in one hour, right? Now, if you go to box to, to letter number two, when he arrives in Japan, it will be 11 a.m., right, an hour later, Shabbos in Japan, and when it be 7 p.m. in Phoenix, right? 7 p.m. Friday afternoon in Phoenix. Now, uh, we're going to skip to letter number five, right? What happens now if he wants, he's going to go and travel from Japan back to Phoenix, how long will that take? Right? So what's the, di the time difference? Eight hours. The difference between Japan, uh, the, uh, the, other, the other way of the globe, right? Will be, it will be eight time zones to traverse. In other words, if he goes, if he's traveling this way, he'll go around the, the globe back to Phoenix. How many time zones is that? How many time zones is that? Eight time zones, right? So how long is it going to take him to get there? Half an hour, correct? It'll be a half an hour, yes? So that means it will be 7.30 Friday p.m. in Phoenix, same day that he left, except an, an hour and a half later. And it will be 11.30 in Japan a.m. on Shabbos, right? And in New Zealand, it will be 2.30 p.m. Shabbos, and in Western Samoa, it will be 3.30 p.m. Friday afternoon. Right? Does everybody, yeah, is this, is this clear, this illustration? 
This is an illustration of what happens to the astronaut, what happens on the planet Earth while he's orbiting the Earth as far as Shabbos is concerned, right? When he arrives an hour and a half late after one or or orbit, when he leaves Phoenix and comes back to Phoenix, Shabbos will be starting in Phoenix now, 7.30 p.m., let's say, right? And in Japan, it will be in the afternoon on Shabbos, right? Or it will be close to the afternoon. It will be 11.30 a.m. on Shabbos, right? Okay, so now, just to, to, just to, uh, to make the illustration a bit more complicated, we'll go from number one, one, uh, numbers two and three. What happens when he travels after he arrives in Japan? He first comes from Phoenix, now he comes to Japan, right? He arrives in Japan, well, that's fine. Okay, he goes from Japan, then he flies to New Zealand. But th this location, he doesn't fly down to New Zealand. I mean the area which is parallel to New Zealand. This is also not at the equator, so it's faster than our example. But in our example, if he flies to New Zealand, how long is it going to take him? So that's, how long is it going to take? It's one time zone. So it'll take him three minutes and 75 seconds, correct? Right? So when he arrives in New Zealand, it will be number three, it will be 2.03 p.m. on Shabbos. Right? And then when he travels from New Zealand to Western Samoa, what happens? How long is it going to take? It's also one time zone. It also is going to take another 3.75 minutes. But in that scenario, he's going to be traveling, traveling, and then he's going to hit the big civil dateline, right? It's going to be one day earlier. It's going to be Friday, 3 or 3 p.m. Okay? Fine. So now, in our example, in our example, if, the, if, if our astronaut keeps on going around the Earth, right? In some places, in this example, Shabbos will be ending, and in some places, Shabbos will be starting, right? Rabbi Dave Day of Life wants to make the following claim. According to Ramosha's principle, is that Shabbos depends, or the day depends, upon the area that is directly below you, not where you are, and not your experiences where you are, whether it would be in a plane or a spaceship, right? If that means that our astronaut would have to keep Shabbos for about 48 hours at intervals. Only when he is over an area that it is Shabbos, right? So when he's flying over Phoenix, and he's flying, when he's flying over Phoenix, it's not Shabbos, it's, it's 7 p.m. As he's flying towards New York, Shabbos is starting. When he's in Japan, Shabbos is starting. When he crosses the dateline, it's Friday. He doesn't have to keep Shabbos anymore, right? When he flies to Phoenix, it's not Shabbos. And then he flies back to New York again at Shabbos. And the reason why it's taking him only an hour and a half, right? So each time he traverses the area, we'll have to write a very complicated computer program where there will be a red light in the spaceship and it will go on, it will say Shabbos, right? And for those whatever minutes or hours that he's going to have to keep, keep the Shabbos while he's traversing the earth, he's going to have to keep Shabbos for that particular, for that particular time. Right? The and the rest of the time, he doesn't have to keep shops. What about the red light? Is it allowed to go on? <laughs> well, yeah, if it's, if it's said, like the shops, like, a, like, a, like, a, like our lights that we, 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 we set them to turn on, right? How about lighting candles? How about lighting candles? So I, I don't think you're allowed to light candles in the, in the in a, in a oxygen pressure area, or whatever, right? In the, in the space shuttle. I don't think, I don't think that's going to be a good idea. Because uh, I think that uh, the, the, resu the resulting effect will, 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 will make all questions irrelevant. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Yeah. I think in the same article, the fellow last week in the Jewish News, the astronauts decided to use Houston time as. Uh, we're going to get. We're going to get to that point. We're going to get to that point uh, in in our discussion. Hopefully, maybe. Quiet. Right. Soon. Fine. So now, one question that we can ask is, what happens?